What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. Happy Labor Day? Yes, happy Labor Day. I always get those ones confused. And welcome to this episode of Fan of the Flames, the OG Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys, by the fans, that is us. As always... Intro and outro music provided by Park and Main. Check them out over at parkandmainband.com. We are on Twitter. If you didn't know, we are on Twitter. I'm at so says J Paul. I'm at Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. And the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network is available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And of course, at Bright Side of the Sun dot com long yeah. pause a long pause all right so let's get down to it let's talk some sun stuff here we're in the off season we're watching the playoffs playoffs are fun to watch the sun should be in them because they would dominate pretty much every single team that's playing in the playoffs right now but they'd be up 2-0 on the lakers easily 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 they might even be up 3-0 on the lakers even though they've only played two games just because the first two beatings would have been so bad so bad the nba would be like let's just give the suns a three-game lead because that's how bad they've beaten the lakers right now but that's neither here nor there because well, actually happening. no they wouldn't be a 3-0 on the lakers they'd be up 2-0 on the rockets because they would have beat the lakers already oh yeah 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 yeah. well done paul well done well done, well done. <laughs> it's late we, we just finished our fantasy football draft yeah 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 here here here's here's a, a pro tip when you already don't prep for your podcast, you just throw stuff out there. Don't do a two and a half hour fantasy draft before it and then record a podcast because that's what we're doing. But you know what? We're going to roll with it. It's going to be fun. I don't know um, if we should give pro tips. <laughs> we'll give you uh, high level, high level amateur tips. How about that? Okay. Well, let's, let's dive into the first topic we're going to discuss here today because it's tangentially related to the Suns. And I know this has probably already been beaten to death by other pods and by media in general, but we still feel the need to discuss. And that is everyone's favorite son, Steve Nash, getting hired by the New Jersey Nets as their surprise hire. Super surprise hire. Like there weren't even like literally zero rumors, zero discussion about it. Like the people that we nobody knew he wanted to coach. Yeah, well, people knew not wanted, now. They, they knew he wanted to coach, but there was not any indication it was going to happen anytime soon. And even the people that we like talk to, Paul, who are in the yeah. know, I didn't hear any of that type type of rumor coming from anybody. It was no, we're not in the know. We just are in the know in the know. In the know in the know. That's why I said people who we talk to who are in the know. Paul, come on. I, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it 100, as the kids say these days. I'm keeping it real, man. It's fine. But out of nowhere, Steve Nash gets hired as the Nets head coach, and there are some there. there there's a lot of opinion going around about this. Um, in this day and age, one of the biggest things that got floated around was why did this white former player? "Quote unquote," jump the line and get a head coaching job before other qualified African American uh, candidates that might be out there who've been putting in the who've been putting in the work on right, right. And 
I know Paul has feelings about that. I know I have feelings about that. And I feel like, you know, it's, it's our duty to express our opinions and let people know where we're coming from with it and our thoughts. And, and maybe people would agree. Maybe people will disagree. But one thing I can say is regardless of whether you agree or disagree with the opinions we're about to lay out on this podcast, please, please, please don't take it as either one of us being mad. Okay. Thank you. That's all. That's all. all. No matter the fact you're wearing a red hat right now. I'm wearing, dude, this is my, this this was, this was MAGA before MAGA was MAGA and it's not MAGA at all. And nobody knows what we're talking about because I'm wearing (laughs) a hat on a podcast. (laughs) Uh, but anyway, I'm wearing a format hat from like 1997. If you all, anybody out there listening knows who the format is, tweet me and I'll give you some kudos because I feel like most people don't, but one of the greatest bands in the history of the universe. That's all. That's all I need to say about them. Anyway, Paul, I'm going to let you start with your thoughts, your opinions on this. And I'll probably echo much of the same sentiment you're about to lay out, but my friend, the floor is yours. Have at it. So I, after the surprise of the whole, uh, hire kind of died down a little bit, I was, I was, I was surprised at how quickly the conversation started to turn to what you had mentioned about the white privilege of Nash getting this job. And not that there is not a more overarching issue in coaching in general, in sports, and even within the NBA, where particularly in the NBA, where the league is so, so predominantly African-American that the coaching ranks are the opposite of that. There is some, yes, there is some type of systemic something or other in there that is harder to quantify than in maybe some other situations. Just, but um, there are, you know, in this specific situation with Steve Nash, I don't believe that the fact that he was white over, you know, Jacques Vaughn, who is an African-American, I think he's an African-American. By that, I mean, I don't know if he's played in Europe or like actually has like no, he has to be. Perhaps French or something. Yeah. Like, I, I he has to be because the uh, first foreign-born coach was our coach, our former coach, Igor. Mm-hmm. So, okay, yeah. Um, I don't know much too much about Jacques Vaughn's history. Um, you know, he became the interim coach because they had fired their previous coach, which at the time I thought was unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he yeah. was a really good coach and was an up and coming coach, and I thought it was a he kind of got shafted. Um, and but, he you know, he he actually so he improved the team every year he was a head coach too, and got even in, this year still got them into the playoffs, notwithstanding the fact they did a large roster turnover during the off season. And, and their two were, big acquisitions, exactly. one didn't play at all, and one barely mm-hmm. played. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, so yeah. Yes, Jacques Vaughn stepped into the position. He, you know, did an an amazing job with a shit roster. You know, he almost helped the Suns get into the playoffs. Almost. Almost. I mean, hey, I mean, he got that team to play when they had no reason to play in that Fair game. Fair enough. And they played their asses off, and if it wasn't for one l- bad last shot, 
you know, who knows, but I digress. Yes. He, he coached an interim level for that team. He did a very good job at it. You have a team that has two superstars who have expectations and have a huge voice in that room with regards to who they want to be a coach. Jacques Vaughn doesn't have the cachet that those guys want. I'm sorry. And weirdly, sometimes you get a player who has never coached before, who has more cachet in that sense. You know, you saw with, you know, Derek Fisher took the, took the job with the Knicks straight off the court. Like same thing with Jason Kidd, both those guys didn't even like take a break to do something else first. Like Nash did, or even Steve Kerr did these guys who, you know, say jump the line, you know, those guys at least did something else. Nash had consulted with the Warriors. And with that, he developed a pretty strong relationship with Kevin Durant. So I can see that standpoint there. This, at the end of the day, this specific instance, this specific hire, I don't think race came into it, in my opinion. The fact that as on a macro scale, and you can look at each individual hire and say, I don't think race came into the decision in this, but when 75% of the coaches are are white and 85% of the players are black, that's it. That's an issue. That's a something is in the ether that is causing that. And that needs to be figured out. Maybe it has to do with, and with these guys jumping the line and whatnot, I think there maybe has, has a bit to do with who wants to go into coaching. You know, if you had some of these other star players, African-American players say when they walked off the court, want to go into coaching, I wouldn't be surprised if a Chris Paul immediately got that opportunity. A LeBron James, if he wanted it, immediately got that opportunity. You know, Chauncey Billis, who's another name that's been floated around. If he wanted to go into coaching, he probably could jump the line and step right on the the court, particularly because – a lot, if you think about it, the, those names that I just listed off, a lot of those guys are lead ball handlers, point guards. That position transitions very well into being a coach immediately because you already operate a lot like a coach on that floor. So you may not have a lot of the background prep skills, but you have the how do I lead a group of men to be victorious. And I'm trailing off, so I'm going to let you speak, Justin. No, and, and, and I, like I said, I'm going to echo a lot of the sentiment that you laid out. And excuse me, but at the end of the day, Steve Nash is a two-time MVP. He's highly respected in the league. This isn't a situation where you have a guy who people can sit there and go, he shouldn't be considered as a head coach he shouldn't have the opportunity to do so if he wants to it's not a guy that doesn't have the qualifications to do it now is it unusual for somebody that should jump from playing in the league to head coaching sure it is has it happened before yeah it has it's but, becoming less and less unusual honestly right and 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 you have to take into account i think a huge part of it is the relationship he has with kd 
think about it like this. KD and Kyrie Irving are two of the most drama-filled NBA players we've seen in a long time, right? Is that a fair assessment? Yes. Like KD with his burner account, Kyrie always wanting to make some sort of issue. Right, they do. And I feel like you have to take take that into account and find a guy who's going to have the ability and has shown the ability to be a voice that players listen to. And, and Nash obviously had that as a player and he's, he's maintained that I think through, through his, his post playing career at the end of the day, let's look at it just strictly from the credentials that he has. Okay, sure. He hasn't come up and done the assistant coaching thing and what have you, but is he the kind of guy that you really feel like, needs to go through that process to get where he is like let's look at monty williams we love monty williams we love monty williams as the head coach of the suns but was he a guy who coming out of his nba career you would think he has the wherewithal he has the cachet to be an nba head coach straight off the bat no i don't don't think so and that's not a race thing that's just based off of his performance and what he showed as a player now, did he have the potential? Obviously, and that that was clearly seen by Pop because Pop put him on his staff, and he's shown the ability to grow that potential and become a head coach. But there are certain players when you win two MVPs in this league, you get a certain level of 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 what's the word I'm looking for, Paul? Um, latitude when it comes to what you want to do in this league. And and Steve Nash, I can't think of another player that I've seen in my 38 years on this planet who I looked at and was like, that is a guy who based on his performance in the league, the position he played and his wherewithal as a leader qualifies as somebody who could just jump right into being a head coach. Right. And I mean, I think it's to, to that point a little bit, if you look across leagues for the most part, rarely do The thing about coaching and star players is a lot of times things come so easily to a lot of star players, which is how they see the game, how they play the game. And this is football, baseball, basketball. It's hard to coach that. It's hard to transition and, you know, move chess pieces around with guys who don't who don't see it the way you instinctively do. You know, I think that's why I don't think Michael Jordan would be a good coach. It just, right. it just doesn't work that way. Um, I don't – weirdly, I think later Kobe Bryant, I think, could. Like, if he, if Kobe Bryant coming straight out of finishing up in the league said, hey, I want to coach, I think it might have been a disaster. But he had just enough – if he had – he had transitioned so well. Am I, am I losing – Mike, come a little closer to your mic. He tr- transitioned so well to the his post playing career, and I think he he was coaching his daughter's team, and I think he really enjoyed that. And I think if he had decided he wanted to move into a more professional role in that before he his passing, I think a lot of teams would jump at that. Right, and 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 think also like. 
Nash isn't isn't really a true I'm just jumping into coaching thing. We all know he was a consultant with the Warriors, whatever that means, it is what it is. That's where he developed that relationship with KD, certainly. But he was also the GM term they use, not mine. I don't know how that works with national teams, but for 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 the Canadian national team for the past eight years. So he he knows talent, he knows how to assess talent, he knows what fits when it comes to roles that players need to fill on a team. And it's not just a day 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 one, he's in the NBA, day two, he's 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 coaching an NBA team. There is a transition there, and whether people see it or not, at the end of the day, he has the wherewithal. I think I, I I think he's gonna I think he's gonna do well with them. I mean, I think he will. It, it's gonna be a matter of look, Steve Nash. I don't think anyone's gonna sit there and go. Well, I don't know if he knows the X's and O's of the NBA. I right. feel like if you say that, you're insane. It's a matter of him being able to manage the 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 personalities on that team, and it'll be interesting to see how you know it plays out as the year goes on when suddenly, you know, he was a consultant with the Warriors, had a good relationship with KD and suddenly he's telling something to KD that maybe KD doesn't want to hear as a player on the nets. But at the end of the day, is he in that position to do that because he's a white guy versus because he's a great NBA player and, 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 and qualified for the position? I say, no, I think he's a guy that, is qualified for the position, got the role. And frankly, from the Nets perspective, if you're thinking about it from the business side of it and saying, what can we do in addition to what we've already done, putting KD and Kyrie on the same team to put more asses in the seats to get people. <laughs> I, I say that at this, at this day and age, maybe that doesn't matter, but <laughs> then to get people to watch our games Hiring Steve Nash makes all the sense in the world. Plus, he lives in New York. He's he's like right there. Like, why not have him? Well, be the actually, coach I think he lives in LA now. Well, I, I'm, I feel like Steve Nash probably has houses he, wherever yeah. he wants to have houses. Right. So, right. I, I just know I see a lot of stuff that he puts out on like social media, and he's in New York. So let's just say he's not exactly a foreigner. He's going to gonna fit right in in Brooklyn. Exactly, dude. And <laughs> can I mean, you get, can you get a more Brooklyn coach than Steve Nash? I mean. But, I mean I think the other thing about Nash as a coach that I think works well for him, back to what I was saying about like a lot of really like star, like superstar players, their entire lives, they've been at this upper echelon level of the best player on my team, everything. Yeah. Nash was a late bloomer in a way, or just his, the league had to catch up to him or however you want to talk about it. I mean, he was barely recruited in to college. You know, he went to a WCC school. It wasn't even the best WCC school. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, was drafted and was able to be drafted in the NBA. Was a, he even said it. He's like, when I got into the league, I was hoping to be a starter, yeah. kind of expected to be a career backup. The idea of him being 
a two-time MVP, like, didn't even cross his mind. He just want, was like, his goal was like, can I be a, you know, reliable, like, consistent starter on a team? That was his goal. And then he far exceeded that. So from that standpoint, you know, he understands that what makes a lot of great coaches great is they're that kind of average player. So they kind of have to see, they know how to work with average players. He kind of had that and grew up and grew beyond that. So he's got a little bit of that mentality, which I think will really help him as a coach. Certainly. If you understand what I'm saying. I, I get you. And I, I agree. I mean, I think Steve Nash is, again, for that group that they have for that, um, what's what we're looking for for that, uh, market i think steve nash is a 100 percent hit the nail on the head higher i think he's perfect for the nets and i i hope he i hope he does well and i hope the suns beat the nets in the finals in three of the next four years okay that's all I'm just, that's all the last point is i'm now very conflicted about rooting for the nets yeah it's difficult i know you hate kyrie so i can't stand kyrie yeah i haven't liked kyrie since he was since like he was drafted so yeah um i feel like maybe you you need to put that aside and uh show some love for the former for for mr son i'll call i'll call steve nash mr son for now until devin booker becomes mr son which he will i'm gonna call steve nash mr son so okay so now that we've talked through the whole nash thing let's 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 get on to more direct sons related stuff and okay you know, we can sit here, we can talk about draft, and we'll get there. We can talk about free agency, and we'll get there. But I feel like in the past couple of weeks, particularly since the, the playoffs have started, we've started to see a lot more chatter about guys who might not be happy elsewhere who could potentially be on the trade block this off season. And three names, I should say two names and a team, come to mind immediately for me. Those are Brandon Ingram, Giannis, uh-huh. and then just 76ers in general. I know Embiid was floated around specifically, but I think we can both look at the writing on the wall and see the 76ers are probably in a position where they're going to have to make some significant changes this offseason. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that it needs to be limited to Embiid. Right. And to, to clarify, Brandon Ingram is technically a restricted free agent, but the only way the Suns would probably be able to get him is via the trade. Right. And, and, I, and I would think any, any team, frankly, like the, 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 the Pelicans would be insane if they're just like, all right, we're going to not match whatever comes yeah. in for Ingram. So at the end of the day, Suns, any other team, it's going to have to be a matter of a sign and trade. So all, all, all trade options ultimately, right? Right. And uh, you know, I like, I'd like to talk through some of this. I don't know, Paul. Where do you, who, who, who piques your interest the most? Who do you want to talk about the most when it comes to that set of potentials for the Suns? As so, Giannis, Brandon Ingram, and the. Two big dogs at the 76ers. Correct. Am I anybody? I mean, obviously, Giannis is going to be a two-time MVP. So if he becomes available, obviously, you got to 
throw all the spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks there. Not named Devin Booker, and you could really make an argument not named DeAndre Ayton. That's a whole conversation that could be had. But realistically, and most interestingly, I think I'm more interested in Brandon Ingram. Mm -hmm. Just because Giannis is such a moonshot that, like, if it happens, I would be, like, amazed. But, like... I can't go down that rabbit hole. Well, and and plus is it, maybe I'm mistaken, but isn't Giannis going into his last year? Uh yeah, he's still got one more year left, so it would be it would be a Kawhi type situation. Right. So you're going to trade for a guy, hope you give enough, show enough to make him convinced that he's going to re-sign. Ingram right, exactly. is literally the exact opposite because you're going to. If the only way you can in, get him is brand you're signing him long term. Exactly. So I, I like I like the starting point of Ingram, and frankly, I think that Ingram might be out of that conglomerate the most realistic possibility. Yes. Yeah, I think he. Um, <laughs> I was like, I, I know what you're waiting. Oh, you're waiting. No, you're sorry. Waiting. I was. I was. I just wanted to look something up. Um. I think he's potentially the most realistic. Actually, I disagree with that. I think the most realistic would possibly won't be one of the 76ers guys just because there's potential need needing to shuffle the decks over there. So if one of Ben or um, Embiid says they want, they want out, that move could be made. And then, you know, we've got pieces that could, you know, kind of make replace, that make that work pretty well. I mean, either one of those guys are guys who, unfortunately the thing with the market this year, unlike, well, I can't say that. Cause I feel like when pop traded Kawhi, when Kawhi was traded from the Spurs, cause that's the parallel, but it's, there's a lot of, factors in that like one one was the Kawhi Spurs relationship really soured and there is a spiteful nature to the the Spurs and how they can act in some cases like that and so like they didn't send him to a place he's on his like preferred list right you know he had to he had to take that next step of being sent somewhere where it wasn't his most ideal situation. And then obviously he jumped what many he had an opportunity to, could they have gotten a better offer for him? So like, it's hard to look at the return that they got as comparable to what the return for a Giannis would take. Um, but it's, you know, with it being a, a, only one more year of a contract and him potentially wanting to jump somewhere else. There's a loss you know, of value there because there's a that. loss of value there. Yes. But so at the same time, it's also a very, it's a more known quantity to an extent. So it becomes a more of a bidder's mark or, you know, a seller's market. So you have other much, a lot more competition potentially of where plus he, he doesn't have an anim as much of an, animositis i don't know what the word is towards like like there's not right now like there's not a lot of animosity from him towards 
or vice versa to, to, towards uh millier walkay if you will exactly so, so okay let's, let's, to let's leave let's go the, back let's let's start let's talk let's talk brandon ingram because you 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 said brandon ingram is the most intriguing one to you yeah yes what, what i guess the question then becomes let's assume that the pelicans are set on okay we're going to do a sign and trade for brandon ingram What's 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 the cost to the Suns to make that happen from your perspective? From my perspective, I mean you're you're starting with probably Kelly Oubre in the tenth pick. Um, because one Oubre replaces the position mm-hmm. with you know without a significant loss in production. And he also offers the ability to, you can either re-sign him long-term if you like what you've got, or you can, um, you know, you have some free cap space or, you know, you can just let him go. And right, it right, up right. She plus the 10th pick could potentially require some type of protected second pick to get him in the door. And then possibly some cap filler. To well, I feel like that, I feel like that's the big question because I think there, ha- there has to be cap filler, right? Yeah. So, twenty was it twenty eight million? Let's, call, let's call let's call it twenty eight million. And twenty eight million. 16. 15, 16? 15, little, yeah, yeah. So let's just assume you got to fill in another twelve million bucks in cap. Well, you have to get in. I think you have to get within a hundred and twenty-five percent and a hundred thousand dollars to make that work. Okay. So, I it's not that it's not that hard, honestly. Let me bring up the Suns cap sheet real quick. So when you say one hundred twenty-five percent and and a hundred grand, so what what's What's the dollar amount you would need to fill that that void then? Well, I where where it gets kind of weirdly complicated is like because it's it would be an off-season move, it's where do the Suns stand with what types who are they exercising cap holds on for the guys who whether it's you know Aaron Baines, Dario Saric, Javon Carter, etc., all the guys who could you know our free agents <coughs> who could be um who could be reassigned so there's a cap hold for that and i don't know those numbers off the top of my head of like what that is but i mean if you just want raw numbers to make the deal you could get ubre and kaminsky and then, you know, the thing is, if they're operating under the cap, I don't, they may not, you know, you, you have that cap space. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then arguably, I mean, depending on how they, how signing that, the thing I don't know is how, like, if you've officially signed the rookie you drafted, because obviously the, the 10th pick would have been drafted at that point. Mm-hmm. That that's where like the whole like tampering thing kind of well, comes let's, in. Let's look at it like this. Let me ask you this question. Let's yeah. assume. Let's assume 
that it's going to be Ubre, the number 10 pick, and one other player. And you can't say that other player is Frank Kaminsky. Let's assume that they're going to want a significant, quote-unquote, significant player, a player that has some upside maybe. Who Mm -hmm. would be willing to put in a – I'm going to assume if I ask you, would you be willing to put in Mikhail Bridges, you're going to say no. No. Would you be willing to put in Cam Johnson? And and again, let's put money aside. Let's not worry about that right now. Let's assume if if there needs to be more money, then they can find it. They'll fill it. But the Pelicans are saying, we want Kelly Oubre. We want the 10. We want Cam Johnson. For you getting Brandon Ingram, who has now signed to a deal that's going to put him with your team for the next four years. And the money you're going to pay him for the next four years. Right. Would you do that? Would I put in Cam Johnson? I mean, because Brandon Ingram's taking his starting spot. So probably. I mean, I don't know if I'd be fully be happy about it, but I mean, because I think Cam has a lot to bring to the table. Sure. Well, and I think it kind of comes down to, and let's just, let's, let's just say this, this kind of trade happens for the Suns. You're going to have a lot of people happy. You're going to have a lot of people upset. At the end of the day, I feel like you have to look at it from the perspective of both being the Phoenix Suns and as Suns fans thinking, do we want to sit here and do we want to say, we want to hang on to Cam because I, I love Cam Johnson. Don't get me wrong. Do we want to sit here and hang on to Cam Johnson because of his potential or do we want to use him to obtain a known quantity. And I think that's something that Suns fans, as they look at this offseason, need to realize if you really want to make that move that's going to, whether it's Ingram, whether it's somebody from the Sixers, whether it's Giannis, especially if it's Giannis, you're going to have to be willing to say, I'm, I'm going to give you somebody who we as Suns fans love and who Suns have as an organization sees a lot of potential in because that's what it's going to take to get a guy like that. And I feel like one of the biggest problems of Suns fans, poor Suns fans, mm-hmm. is we look at so many Suns fans look at so much stuff in a vacuum. Like there's right. no vacuum. There's no vacuum in this world. Like the only vacuum in this world is the vacuum you use to like clean your fucking house. Okay. Well, Nothing technically that's not even vacuum. really a vacuum because a vacuum doesn't actually exist. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know what that meant, but okay. scientific, scientifically a vacuum is impossible. So technically your vacuum is just a sucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so guess what? Then, then we got to look at traits. This is, that's perfect. Actually, Paul, we can't look at trades in a vacuum because we have to look at it as one side is going to be the sucker. Right. Okay. We can always sit there and go, oh, that trade worked out for both teams, but that's never true. There's always one sucker when it comes to a trade. Okay. And, and at the end of the day, if we are going to, as Suns fans and as a Suns organization, want to see a player like some of the guys who have been floated around name wise recently come to the Suns, Somebody is going to have to be involved that we would prefer not be involved. And at the end of the day, one of those teams is going to be the sucker. Right. And I think that when it comes, you know, now I'll sit here and I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on that exact situation. Cam Johnson in that trade. I love, I love Cam Johnson. 
But if you're going to tell me I can get Brandon Ingram, and that means I have to give up Cam Johnson, Kelly Oubre, a 10th pick, and some filler, even and even another first-round pick in the future, fine. I'm fine with it. You know why? Because we've been suffering for a decade. And we have a group of guys right now and a head coach that is a piece away, maybe a couple pieces away from truly competing in the West. And I say that being the same guy who like a month ago said the Suns will be the one seed in the West next year with this lineup. But you put Brandon Ingram on this team and I will, I will double down on my, my guarantee of the Suns being the number one seed in the West at that point, because you tell me you're going to run out a starting lineup of Ricky Rubio, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, Brandon Ingram, and DeAndre Ayton. Tell me what team in the West has a better starting five than that. Tell me. I can't. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Like the limit does that, not exist. That that that. I, I have I have a semi right now, Paul, just thinking about that. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean he put up I mean Ingram put up I mean he would he kind of, he earned his MIP. I mean I have arguments giving an MIP to a, like a second number two pick. <laughs> That's fair. But um you know he put up twenty almost twenty-four points, um just over six rebounds and just over four assists on Four, 46, 39, and 85 shooting. I mean, well, and let's look at it like this too. We'll look at it. That would put eight, that would push eight into our third option. If eight, DeAndre Ayton is your third option, Boner City, <laughs> right? Let him, Boner let City. him become the off, the Rudy Gobert with actual offense. Ugh. Rudy Go, by the way, Rudy Gobert, I in uh, he might actually be one of the worst people in the world. I feel. Like, <laughs> I'm just. Did you see all the stuff on Twitter over the past few days with like you know Evan, like our boy Evan down in Tucson? Yeah, nice young man, sixteen year old kid. Well, Rudy Gobert like tweeted something that somebody posted something about like some some drawing a first grader did of Rudy Gobert, and it was like it, it, was, it was the first grader's drawing. It kind yeah. Of and Rudy Gobert like tweeted something like he, some some parent let, really let their kid do this to me, and Evan was like, "Dude, like, why are you making fun of a fucking first grader? Like, that seems off off putting." And Rudy Gobert was like, "You're calling like Evan's like that's kind of sick, man." And Rudy Gobert's like, "You're calling me sick for 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 giving some some kid jokingly publicity, blah blah blah." And I'm like, first of all, Rudy Gobert." never joke about anything sick wise again after the whole COVID thing. Like, have we learned our lesson? It's just like, dude, like you still put a kid on blast on Twitter for his drawing. Yeah. Like, a six year old doesn't understand. If my kid, he, if, if, if somebody said that about my kid's drawing, first of all, first of all, I make fun of my kid's drawings all the time. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but they're my kids. If somebody else does that to my kid, no, 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 sir. Like that's, that's way off base. Anyway, Tangent done. If not our first, not our last. DeAndre Aiden is the three third option on this team. Forget it. Like, forget it. So I, I, that's why, like, honestly, I look at all those guys we we put out there. Like Joel Embiid. You know what? 
I go back and forth with that whole concept. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. Oh, that sounds terrible. Oh, that sounds great. I feel like I'm starting to settle on terrible because first of all, he's injury prone. Second of all, he's a head case. And that's the thing with, with Ingram too, is <clears throat> what did you hear from Ingram this year about any complaints about anything? Zion, he's got Zion on his team. He's got Lonzo Ball on his team. That dude's a consummate pro. And that's what we need on this team because we've got a guy like Devin Booker. We don't need somebody who's going to bitch and whine about not being the number one and is going to fill his role. And I feel like Brandon Ingram epitomizes that. I mean, the dude got cast off by L.A., didn't say a word, went to New Orleans, did his job, did it incredibly well. Won an well, award. Won an award. I mean, that 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 is the guy, like, if the Suns are going to truly target a trade option this offseason – I love, I love the idea of Brandon Ingram on this team. And, and we don't need to get into what that means for the cap in the next freaking like three, four years, because then you're carrying one max guy, a second max guy in Ingram, presumably. And then you're walking into a season when Aiton and Bridges are both up for their extensions. You know what? Whatever. Because again, the whole winning teams have to pay for it. Right, exactly. And the whole idea that, like, like I said, with, with being willing to give up a kid like Cam Johnson, who we all love, is it's a message of saying, as much as we would love to see what Cam Johnson is going to be in two years, we're tired of it now. And we want to win sooner rather than later. And let's put somebody next to Devin Booker and DeAndre and who's going to maximize the opportunity for this team to win now, especially when you're thinking about the fact that we've got a guy in Ricky Rubio who is quote-unquote old, even though he's At 29. almost 30. And, and, I, and I wish I was 29. I wish I was 29 too, man. Boy, my life. My life when I was 29, if I knew then what I know now. But, dude, yeah. I mean, we have to see that there's there's – there is a baseline here for the Suns right now, especially after seeing what they did in that bubble. And if they can upgrade and upgrade with a player like that, who's going to slide into the system nicely, who's going to, as a personality fit, I think with this team, well, that's huge. Cause that's another thing at the end of the day, the Suns are still a super young team. So you still need to worry about who you're bringing in and what kind of impact that's going to have on this group of young players. The last thing you want is a Joel Embiid being a diva with the Suns and all of a sudden becoming a toxic issue in the locker room. The last thing you need is some Eskimo brother issues coming up between uh, <laughs> Ben Simmons and, 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 and Devin Booker. Um, and, and I feel like Brandon Ingram, dude, is perfect. And, well, no, we already got Eskimo brother situations on the sense as it is. Allegedly. Allegedly. And those aren't Eskimo brothers, technically. And if you guys don't know, if you're listening, you don't know what Eskimo brothers are, then look it up and you'll figure out what we're talking about. But at any rate, so that, that, such that's a my... weird term and so gross. It's not really gross. It's just a weird term. I mean, it happens. We all have Eskimo brothers somewhere. We just don't know them. <laughs> yes. So, sometimes we do know them. Sometimes we don't. We'll just put it like that. So, okay. I don't know that we even need to talk about 
Embiid or 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 Simmons or well, we can talk about Giannis, I guess. Though I mean, I mean, okay, let me let me not say we don't need to talk about them, Paul. Those other guys, the non-Brandon Ingrams, right? What's your what's your what's your level of interest? What's a real realistic possibility that any of those guys end up with the Suns? And I know you already said that. Philly's gonna have to blow it up. I totally agree with you there. Someone's gonna have to go. I, I can I can see Embiid being the one asking to move. Yeah. Of the two, I can see him being the one asking to move. Um, and if the Suns go after him, that means you're sending Aiden back. It's like For it's sure. that simple. You know, there's no point, there's no reason the way the money works is probably Aiden and Ubre and a pick to get Embiid, which is kind of crazy. Uh, just from the standpoint of for all intents and purposes, Aiton is kind of where Embiid is set pretty close to where Embiid was at the same point in his career. You're, you're, you're basically – the, the trade basically accelerates where you expect Aiton to be in three years to having that player now. Is that fair? Except he's injury prone. And he's, and he's a whiny bitch. Well, but, the, but you know, people are complaining about the immaturity of – Aiton at Suns fans are that's one of their complaints about him. Embiid's There's not that different. Difference between being immature and being a whiny bitch. DeAndre Aiton is not a whiny bitch, right? I mean, right. he hasn't. He he he. Not, not that, no, he is not at all. He's very much a you know go with the flow almost kind to, of guy. Almost to a fault. In fact, I will say two of them. Well, yeah. Because because DeAndre Ayton isn't sitting there. I wish DeAndre Ayton be a little more I want mine than he is. Right. But I don't want DeAndre Ayton to be I want mine to the Joel Embiid level. Does that make sense? Yes. But um, counterpoint on that, the Joel Embiid may be like what we see is Joel Embiid now and what we see Aiden potentially becoming Joel Embiid may be currently being hindered by the Philadelphia system. Like, like you take him out of that situation, put him on a team that is more constructed to have a center like that with a, with guards like the Suns have with wings like the Suns have that spread the floor, you know, the Philadelphia is just, they are an old school team. They don't have a lot of shooting. They play inside three point line to the point that they're forcing Embiid outside the three point line because they don't have space. The spacing just doesn't work. You move him over to the Suns. You got Ricky Rubio, who's actually kind of become a, semi really good spot up three point shooter mm-hmm. who's also great at setting up big men you got devin booker who you know just operates anywhere on the court with you know excellence mikhail bridges is you know operates on the wing cam cam johnson on the other side operates as a shooter that allows Embiid to do whatever the hell he wants down low and can he we already know he can kind of stretch the floor mm-hmm. you know it could unlock him in a way that he hasn't really been able to maximize in philly well and 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 
I call Joel Embiid a whiny bitch, right? Right. But I don't know that. I, I, I know that based on what I see publicly, obviously, right. right? You know what we do have as the Phoenix Suns? A guy in Monty Williams who knows Joel Embiid. Right. That's also so true. If that, yes. If he, that he was, is truly Joel Embiid's MO, if that's truly what he is, then he's not going to be on this team. Right. If he's a guy who is just in a bad situation and he's lashing out because of that situation, he's unhappy there. I have the utmost confidence that Monty Williams knows that is being able to read that. And if that possibility comes up for the Phoenix suns, Monty Williams is going to know, yeah, this is going to work or no, this is not going to work, which goes back to how beautiful and lovely and wonderful and blessed we are to have Monty Williams as our head coach. Yes. So let me ask you, let me ask you this, Paul, as we'll, we'll get towards wrapping up here. If you had your choice and, and let's, let's assume, you know, the value you have to give back is what we've kind of been discussing. You're going to have to give back. You're going to have to give, you're going to have to take, right. Mm -hmm. Take all that into consideration. If the Suns are going to be able to make a move to trade for one of those guys, this offseason, and we haven't even really gone in deep on Giannis because At the end That's of the day, a, I feel such like a pipe dream. such a pipe dream. And honestly, I I don't know that I'd want it because, because of what you'd have to give up and that risk that's there that he's going to be like, peace out, I'm gone after one year. I, I, that's, that's a huge risk. A huge risk for a team like this that now has – a baseline that could develop into a winner, but you're going to have to give up a good chunk of that baseline. That's, that's concerning to me. He would be in, in a, in a vacuum. He would be Mm. the top of my list in reality. He's probably at the bottom of my list of those, those four. Yeah. We'd we'd have to gut the team just to make the money work. Right. So, so if, if you could look at those guys and assume what we've been talking about in terms of value given up has to be given and we're going to have to deal with it. Who would be your number one? Yeah. I want him out of this group of potential people who have been floated around on my team. I mean, we said at the beginning, it's Brandon Ingram. Okay. I just, I, I, I definitely thought that as I'm going through, I'm like, I'm pretty sure we already went over this as Ingram, but, but I mean, I mean, see if you can mind change it all throughout the discussion. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Brandon Ingram. I mean, I guess the next option, if I were to rank them, I would say Brandon Ingram probably then Embiid because I think there is a potential there. That And of the two um, 76ers players that are potentially up for being moved to kind of break that up, I like him over Ben Simmons more with the Suns team, personally. Um, then... Giannis, then Simmons. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Just because Giannis, we'd have to gut the team, and then you know you're dealing with a Lakers type situation where you're filling it out with. Granted, the Lakers are in the playoffs. We're the number one team seed in the West. Yada yada yada. But I mean, you got 
you're looking at two players and then like a bunch of flotsam and jetsam surrounding them. Right. And, and I mean, I guess the, 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 the answer could win, change. Win, yeah. If, if, if the Lakers won the title this year, the answer could change, but I'm not, I'm not really confident in that. Not confident in that. No. I, I, I'm with you, man. I mean, I, I would love to see Brandon Ingram on the Suns. I really would. And if that happens, great. If it doesn't, which is really the highest likelihood here, let's be honest. Yeah, none of this is happening. The likelihood of any of these guys being on the Suns is incredibly slim. And what we'll probably go into next season <laughs> is the group that we have. Right. And and maybe, 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 you know, some guys added during the offseason through free agency and the draft. I, I, I think the Suns are going to keep the 10th pick. I think the Suns are going to use it. <clears throat> I think the Suns are going to pick up a Halliburton or Hayes, and that's going to bode well for them in the future. And then it becomes a matter of what can James Jones do this offseason to shore up the bench? Because that's what's been important. Right, yeah. I mean, I think between the that, that five-man lineup – uh, the Bobra lineup that was playing so well before the end of la- before Ubre got hurt last year, and then the um, how well the team played as a unit in the bubble. I think the Suns are very well positioned that if they maintain some consistency going into next season, they can really make a leap as a team without even. In a lot of significant individual leap from the players on the team. It's just as long as they can stay healthy and like, and everybody buys into the roles that seem to be working. Yeah. I think they could, you know, and that experience, I think the, what the leap that I think the Suns can make out of the bubble that can carry them well into this upcoming season is prior to going into the bubble, they lost a lot of close games. They did not know how to close out. I think they've learned how to close out. Yeah. And that's, that's night and day of their record. Their record could be easily be a solid playoff team. If they had just won a bunch of close games that, we're used to them losing because they don't know how to close out. Yeah. And then you see when they're in the bubble, the Clippers game, close out the Mavs game. First one, close out the Pacers game where you have that feeling when they blew that big lead. Here it is. Here's the same old Suns. They close out. They didn't just close that game out. They flipped it on its head after the, yeah, they Pacers were, they were losing on its head and blew it out. I mean, there's so much to be excited about about this team, and 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 you're completely right. If 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 we get the bubble Suns going into the next season, what do we have to look at and say this is a problem? They were perfect in the bubble. They were perfect in the bubble. And I think all we need to see if if, if we ended up with the same roster with a couple of tweaks. Going into the next season, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it, and and I'm confident that's because 
we don't we haven't even we've all discussed it at, at nauseum in the past but we have DeAndre Ayton for 25 games this year and we missed the playoffs by literally two points two points and we yep. went through all the injuries we went through we went through the fact that there was a complete turnover of the roster almost entirely going into this season we went into we, we go into the fact that we had a brand new head coach who we could see throughout the season was tinkering, trying to figure out what he had, what roles guys needed to fill. You gave him that off season, if you will, between the, 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 the pandemic hitting and the bubble starting. And it was night and day. I am stoked to see exactly what happens between two weeks ago and December January, February, God March. knows when it's going to eventually be. <laughs> right. Give him, he, he got a, he got a, he got an off season to like a weird off season to take the players he had, figure out what worked great and then fix it. And then now he gets another off season shortly right. after that to now, instead of having to fix, he can build. Right. Right. And who improved more than the Suns during the first off season, if you will. No one, literally no one, because it's impossible to be better than eight and no. When nobody else is eight no. Exactly. Well, it's still technically impossible to be better than eight and no, regardless of right. But they could have been tied. But where we were coming in, unless unless the unless the wizards were eight and no, also right. Then it's impossible to be better, right? And if, and if the Wizards had been a no, that would have been amazing, just because they had nobody. The <laughs> Nets had nobody. They had nobody. No, I mean, look, we we can sit here and we can pontificate and be all, here's what the Suns could do this off season. But at the end of the day, the NBA is the NBA. How often do huge moves happen during the off season? Blockbuster trades are few and far between. That's just the way it is. Honestly, I don't have... want the Suns team to turn over. I'm I'm actually kind of rooting for them to not do a lot of cr- anything which, crazy. Which actually makes sense why both of us sit here and go, if we're going to make that a move out of those guys, Brandon Ingram makes the most sense because he's going to be the one that probably requires the least amount. Exactly. And yeah, and it's the guy who this is where the homerness comes in of you come in you like really like players do you like yes i want to win and like how whatever that team looks like when they win i'll be huge fans of them you know i've dealt with complete turnover on this team as a fan obviously it has to happen just because of age but you know you have a team you have a bunch of guys that you like you want to see them grow you want to see them win you don't want to think about a whole bunch of them leaving so you can win. Right. Right. And and if you have some of them leave, you want somebody coming in that's going to not disrupt what they have, what the right. remaining guys have. And I think Brandon Ingram is the one out of that group that provides the least disruption, if that makes sense. Which is also why I think I was saying that that's why Embiid is my number two because he, yes, it would be a disruption from the standpoint of Aiton would have to be gone to do it, but But he is role wise. It doesn't change the overall ecosystem of how the team operates and for, and 
the remainder of the starting lineup arguably would still be there. Mm-hmm. You can, it doesn't change the ecosystem as much. Whereas Brandon Ingram, it like removes a smaller part and replaces it with a much better part. Embiid is removing a big part, but also replacing it with another big part. Right. <coughs> Fair enough. Excuse me. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So let's wrap up this episode. We've been plugging along for a little bit here. We, we you know, we, we exert a lot of energy when we do this every month or so. So uh, <laughs> we get tired. Um, I'm not going to ask if you have any final thoughts, Paul, because I feel nope, like you've laid nothing. a lot out here. I, I feel like, look, at the end of the day, Suns fans, my final thought is I, I can't believe football starts like what this weekend. Yeah. Like out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like an RKO out of nowhere, like Randy Orton style, man. Um, I, I, yeah. yeah. Football did boggles my mind. What happen, that's what happens when you have zero preseason. You don't have like these random games to watch for nothing else. And you're like, Oh, the real ones are starting. So, but look, as Suns fans, we should be stoked. This off season has an opportunity to show. It gives the Suns the opportunity to improve the team. But at the yes. end of the day, whether or not they improve the team through a trade, I feel like the team's going to be improved regardless going into next offseason. I just want basketball. I, I, I want these playoffs to end and basketball to start again. I'm just stoked. I just want to see the Suns play again, man. Like, and and I, 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 I can't remember the last time I've said I want to see the Suns play again and not because I want to see what this new player is going to do. Like right. I want to see the Suns play again because I want to see the guys that I now know as the Suns on the fucking court again. Because God damn it, I love this team. And so I much really, fun! Really, really want. I just want to just. I just want to go. I just want to go to one parade downtown before I die, Paul. And not, 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 not a not a parade for a second, second place. Parade, okay, <laughs> I want one championship parade. I want to see Devin Booker hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy 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 above his head downtown just once I, I I'm only asking for once and then when it happens once I'll ask for the next six times okay but for now I just want once and I feel like we're trending in that direction regardless of what we do this offseason but what we can look forward to as Suns fans is that this this season so far as things stand now has create some potentials that we can really make a huge jump this off season. And even if we don't land one of these guys we're talking about, that jump's going to happen. We're a playoff team next year. We're the one seed. And even if I'm wrong about that, we're still a playoff team that I will. I'll eat my sock, Paul. If, <laughs> if, if the Suns don't make the, put, put, a little, put, put some real money down on that one this year. I will. Don't believe you me. I will. Don't you worry. All right. So, Hey, as we always say here at fan of the flames, we appreciate you guys listening to us and dealing with our bullshit, indulging in our nonsense, because that's how we roll. And if you listen, that's probably how you roll too. We have fun with it. We hope you guys have fun with it. You Continuing can find on- to support us, even though we are ungodly inconsistent. Yeah, you know what? We got, we got, we, we, we got, we got the jam session to pick up the slack. That, that, that kind of, that kind of fucked us because we're like, well, we don't have to do shit now because jam session will do it. <laughs> and kudos to those guys for continuing to put out great content. I love those guys. They're fun. 
They do a lot of great stuff, and I hope you guys all listen to them as well. And regardless, we appreciate you guys listening. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at J Paul. I'm at Dervish of Whirl. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. And until next time, depending on when you're listening, thank you for listening and have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Paul salutes you. Double salute. Double salute.